So, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Every Nation Bahrain, right? My name is Mitch, um, and I see new faces that, new faces, you know, I think it's your first time joining today. So, if it's your first time, uh, let me find my ground. The, the worship was just so powerful. I already asked them to tone it down a bit, but it was really powerful and <laughs> because God is here, amen. So, Anyway, my name is Mitch, and welcome to Every Nation Bahrain. It's my privilege to welcome you here. Now, if it's your first time joining us, right? If, you're, if it's your first time joining us, um, it's not an accident that you are here, all right? I know that God has destined or created, uh, no, God has made this appointment so that you can be with us this morning, right? Now, before anything else, I would like to introduce to you you to my family, right? Now, it's a new picture, all right? It's a new picture, okay? Uh, thank you, Photoshop, all right? <laughs> all right, and, and um, since I consider all of you as my family, all right, um, I, I just want to honor my daughter, Christelle, all right? All right, she's graduating uh, this June 25th, all right? She changed her LinkedIn profile. You know what's her LinkedIn profile now? It's not searching for a job. Her LinkedIn profile now is now accepting graduation gifts. Right? So, <laughs> good one. Now, and then, and, and I just, I'm just amazed at, you know, how a disciple of Christ, uh, regardless if it's my daughter or not my daughter, how a disciple of Christ would actually grow fast in his walk with God. And as she grows, no, as you grow, you and me grow, we continue to honor God, right? And it's that decision to move forward, amen? And that's the, that, and for the past three weeks, we were, uh, no, actually rather, for the past six weeks, we're now on our seventh week, uh, we have been going through this series entitled Forward. And Forward is a discipleship series, amen? And in every nation, we believe that discipleship is three things. So what are those three things? We follow Jesus, we fish for people, we fish for the lost, and we fellowship with fellow believers. Amen. And who among you would agree with me when, when, when I say it's hard to fellowship with fellow believers? It's hard, you know, it's, it's really hard. I mean, fellowshipping with, with, my, with my wife and daughter is already hard. Imagine fellowshipping with others, but I enjoy it, okay? <laughs> they were looking at me. I thought they were gone, so thanks. But yeah, and, and last week, be, because last week we talked about, you know, about loving Jesus. I mean, who are you? Who among you were here last week? Right? We were here and we talked about loving Jesus, right? That if we love Jesus, we are called to do two things. And what is that? Feed his lamb and tend his sheep. Now, what happens if you keep feeding the lamb? It will grow and you will have not lamb chops. I, I know lamb chops. Sorry, lamb chops. It will grow and it will reproduce, right? You will have a bigger herd, all right? And because you're giving you're you're going to have a bigger herd, you know that that's close to my heart, lamb chops. But if you're gonna have a bigger herd, that means you'll start fellowshipping with other shepherds. Amen. Because once you become part of the family of God, you're no longer a sheep that has to be tend. All right, you're a sheep that has to be cared for, 
but at the same time, you're also a shepherd. So you're actually, you know, you have two roles. As a shepherd, or as a sheep of God, right, you are asked to shepherd others, and they are in turn asked to shepherd others. Amen? So as you grow, you'll be having a large community of shepherds, right? And because we are going to have, we, we are going, we are, we're growing, right? We have to be reminded that it's hard if we're a lot, if there are a lot of shepherds in the flock. But who among you would agree with me when I say that's what we're being called to do? We're also called to do not only to fish for, to follow Jesus, not only to fish for people, but also to fellowship with fellow believers. Amen. And today, this afternoon, we are reminded that, you know, when, shep when we shepherd people, we are not alone. Right? We shepherd along with someone else. And we do that here in this community. Right? That's why I see people doing one-to-one -one with another person. Right? Uh, Dom. Uh, right? Dom, Dom just finished one-to-one -one two weeks back. And last week, he started doing one-to-one -one with someone else. Because we're called to be shepherds. So regardless if we are a lamb or a sheep, you're called to be shepherds, right? And 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 uh, as you've heard, you know, as you've heard, uh, as 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 we grow, all right, there will come a time that we have to move forward, right? And and I have a very big announcement to make. And that announcement is this: I'm not pregnant, <laughs> right? I'm not pregnant, but rather, guys. We are moving. Right? We are moving. Alright? As much as we love this place, I believe it's time for us to move. Right? And and the leaders are agree agree with me that we are we are supposed to move and we are actually moving starting July 1, right? To Rami Rose Hotel in Jupiter. Right? It's it's this hotel right here and in and um, the place can actually fit uh, right guess what how many people 1000 amen five services 1000 right <laughs> right the place can actually fit 150 to 200 people right amen so all right so when we move uh, we will actually I know it's it's food. That's the only that's the only nice photo I can find on the internet, right? When we move, right? When we move, um, <coughs> when we move, we will also be dissolving our afternoon service, right? We will be dissolving our afternoon service to give way for our discipleship classes, right? So it's gonna be at 11 a.m. starting July one at Rami. Rose. Now, how do we get there, right? How do we get there? Okay, by bus, right? Oh, actually, we're actually going to be at Stadium Banquet Hall. It's on the second floor, right? That's, that's where it is. So how do we get there, all right? By bus, okay? JJ, <laughs> this one's specially for you, <laughs> all right? By bus, you have to ride number 41 or number 42, and then you have to get down at the Fontana bus stop, which is actually five bus stops. As soon as you enter the fair, Oasis Mall, it's going to be the fifth bus stop, right? And and to those of you who have cars, you know, uh, if you, if, I mean, it's it's totally voluntary, 
right? If you wanna, if you want to pick up people in your area, right? You don't have to go away. You know, if you want, if you are able to pick up people from your area, you know, um, I want you. If you can just please approach Kiben. Where's my adopted son? All right, Kiben. All right, just approach Kiben and. Um, if, if you if you want to volunteer, it's it's on volunteer basis only. If you want to volunteer, if you have cars and you want to pick up people uh, along your path, please approach Kiben. Okay. Now, um, so where were we? Yes, moving forward. Okay. Um, and in the next two weeks, in preparation for our move. Oh, sorry. All right, go back, please. Um. You can, if you get down through on that bus stop, there's a vacant lot, and you can just go across that lot. So it's it's very close by, about 20 kilometers. No, it's it's very close by. It's about um, it's uh, it's a, a few a few 40 meters or how many kuya? 50 meters, around 50 meters. All right, it's very close. Okay, so and as we move forward, and 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 I, I guess. It's very timely. Oh, sorry. For those of you who have cars, you can also WhatsApp me. That's my number. Right? And I can send you the directions. Right? Just WhatsApp me. I'll send the directions to you. Now, as we move forward, uh, in the next two weeks, I want to challenge you. Because it's actually a perfect time for us to reflect on what the Bible says on what the church should be. Right? It's it's in the next in this from this week and in the next two weeks, it's actually a perfect time for us to reflect you know, on what a church should be. And it, it, we need to reflect on who we are, right? And who we are and what we should be doing. It's a very, very important thing to do that. And more than that, you know, it's a time for us to reflect on how as a movement you can partner with the church to move forward. Are you ready for that? Because I know that, you know, while God has called us to honor Him, right? God has called us to honor Him. God has also called us to make disciples. And as we live a church, uh, we, 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 we go through church together, it's only a matter of when, right, that God will start bringing people to the church. So in the next two weeks, I want you to ask yourself this question. How can I partner with the church in this transition? Right? And, and, and if God speaks to you, you know, let us know because we also want you to ponder on this. How can we be faithful to our calling? We are not here just to sit and warm the chairs. We are here on a mission. We are here to be part of God's mission for reconciliation. And, and that's what the church, in the early church did. Despite the challenges that they faced, remember Jesus Christ got crucified and, and all the believers were being persecuted. Did, but did that stop the church from becoming a witness? No. And actually they grew. They, because they were faithful to their calling of honoring God and making disciples. And, and to help us understand what the early church did in the, in for them to grow, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. And we'll be reading from 
verse 42 to 47. And in reverence of the word, can I invite you to please stand up? Right? Acts chapter 2, verse thir- uh, 42 to 47, it says here, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and all had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's all bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for being here in this place. We thank you, Lord God, for Lord God, just, just Lord God, filling this place with your spirit, Father. And, and as we dive into, Lord God, what the early church did, Father, I pray, Lord God, that you open our eyes, Lord God, and you reveal to us, Lord God, how can we do this again here and now? Because you are a Lord that never changes. You are a God that never fails, Lord. And your promises yesterday is as good as today. And Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that as, we, as you reveal to us, Lord God, our participation in this church, Lord, give us also the grace to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may now have you may now see. Right? Now. Right? Um, who among you like to time travel? Right? Okay, that I, I like to time travel a lot. So I'd like to invite you to come back, come with me back in time. Right? Let's go back in time. And, and let's find ourselves in the shoes of the apostles. All right? Let's go back in time. So pretend that you're Peter. Pretend that you're Paul. Right? Pretend that you're uh, Mary. Right? Let's, let's pretend that we were back in time. Okay? Can you smell the cow, uh, no, the donkey dung? Right? Can you smell the dust? Okay? Let's all go back in time. I know it's hot. It's also hot back then. Right? There's no aircon. Now, so after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, let's go back chapter 1. And Anthony was saying chapter 1 again. Right? Let's go back chapter 1 of Acts. So after the resurrection of Christ, G, uh, he started appearing not only to his apostles, but to as many as 500 people at the same time. All right? So the appearance of Jesus Christ, and you'll know why I have to go back to that time. You'll know why. Uh, because during, uh, when, when, remember Christ died? Right? Can he re- when he died, all the, the, all the apostles scattered. They were scared. And now he was resurrected. And now that he's re- resurrected, he's slowly appearing to one after another. All right? At one point, he appeared to 500 people. And it was a very public appearance of Jesus. A, a very public appearance of Jesus. And it happened for about 40 days. Okay? Um, Christ died. Then he rose up, and after that, there were 50 days before the Pentecost. Am I boring you with Bible history? <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so that's about oh, for over 40 days. Imagine this. In over 40 days, he was appearing one after another. All right. So when you go home to the Philippines, or when you go back to the U.S., or you know when you go to, to Africa, 
in 40 days that you are there, your community will know that you are there. Right? So in the same manner, Jesus, when he resurrected, when he rose back, when he started appearing in, in the community, people knew that he was resurrected. Right? The, the, the news travels fast back then, even without internet. Now, when he was he appeared, he gave uh, you know he gave many convincing proof that he was alive. Remember at one time Thomas, you know Thomas. No, no, Thomas is the one in the cold store. No, Thomas. I'm just checking if you're awake. So Thomas, all right, he was doubting. So Jesus offered the convincing proof. You know, if you you doubt that I'm alive, here's my hand. You know, it it, it doesn't it doesn't have holes. I'm not Jesus Christ, right? So. He, he showed him hand. And not only was he offering convincing proofs, all right, he was also teaching about the kingdom of God. Now, who among you would have enjoyed that Bible study? I mean, imagine yourself, no? You were scared, and then now Jesus is resurrected, and now Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. Now, who among you would have loved to be in that Bible study? Even maybe if I'm just a cockroach. I love cockroaches. Right? I look at Kiben. <laughs> and uh, Yobi. Right? Even if you're, you know, um, imagine you a disciple back then. You're listening directly to Jesus Christ. And, and I, I, who among you know Pastor June Escosar? Raise your hand. Right? When Pastor June preaches, even, e even if the preaching is not yet finished, you're already charged to go out and preach the gospel. Right? You get, that's how Pastor June preaches. But imagine this is Jesus Christ teaching the apostles. They were supposed to be very excited to go out and preach that he's alive. Amen? But Jesus Christ said, don't. Actually, he asked them to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And then he gathered more people. He kept gathering people. And that, that by itself tells us what a church should be. It tells us that a church is a people that gather not, you know, not, in, uh, not around a religious practice, not around a, 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 a you know, holy whatever, but a church actually gathers around a person. And who is that person? Jesus Christ. Right? We don't gather around a religious idea. We don't gather to practice spirituality. But we gather as a community around a, uh, around a resurrected Jesus Christ. And as a community of Christ, we also believe that He is real. He is real and that He is guiding us. Just like these apostles who were, un, who were having Bible studies with Christ. They know that he is real and Christ is teaching them the way of the kingdom. Right? Now, these followers, right, for over a month, they have experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So my question to you today is this. Have you experienced the resurrection power of Christ? Have you? Amen. All of us did, right? So if you have reflect, if you have experienced the resurrection 
power of Christ, there is an invitation for you. And what is that invitation? To go out and preach the gospel. But before you go out and preach the gospel, Acts 1.8 tells this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are not just asked to gather every Friday. We're not. We're not just asked to come and attend life groups or be part of one-to-one. We are called to be spirit-empowered witnesses. Not just a witness, but a spirit-empowered one. The Holy Spirit empowers all of the followers of Jesus Christ so that we can become witness. Witnesses to where? To our homes, to our offices, to the kingdom of Bahrain, and to the rest of the world. Now, how does the church bear witness? Okay, that's chapter one. Are you convinced that you're all asked to become witnesses? Right? Chapter two. <laughs> Let's go to chapter two. So after about 10 days or so, these 120 uh, Jewish believers gathered in Jerusalem. Right? Remember, they were scattered. Now they were gathered in Jerusalem. Right? And, and when they were gathered in, in Jerusalem back then, there were tens of thousands of people that traveled from all over the world to Jerusalem because of the Pentecost. So there's a lot of people in Jerusalem. Right? Now, suddenly... And as they were gathered there, the disciples started to bear witness to Jesus, right? We are empowered, we're, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to empower, uh, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach Christ. So as they, so there are 10,000 of people from all over the world gathered in Jerusalem. So this 120, they went to Jerusalem also and they started preaching the word of God. They started witnessing the word, uh, witnessing about Christ. And the amazing thing was this. They came from all over the world. So the language, they don't have the same language. Right? But this 120 Jews, they only know what language? Jewish language. <laughs> right? Aramaic, Aramaic, right? They, they, they Aramaic. But suddenly they start preaching in different languages. Right? They started preaching in different languages. And because they were preaching in different languages, some of these thousands of people that came all over the world, they were attracted to them. Right? They, they gathered around them because they started witnessing in their own languages. So imagine this. There's a Japanese. Or is there a Japanese here? Right? There's a Japanese that came into the room and suddenly Kiben stood up and he started preaching in Japanese. Right? Imagine that. So that's what's happening. So the, the, God, the, the people back there got amazed. They were amazed. And they started listening to this proclamation of the gospel. And wait, no? When they gathered, as, as, they, as they gathered, all right, someone stood up to preach the gospel. And it's not Kiben. All right? Who, who stood up to preach the gospel in Acts? Peter. Peter that I talk very badly about last week. Right? This, this, this fisherman who was turned into a fisher of man 
Okay? And then, when, and when, when who promised Jesus Christ that he will never leave him, right? When Christ was crucified, he started denying Jesus Christ and went back to fishing for fish. So imagine the, 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 the journey of Peter, how he became a disciple of Christ. And then when he became a disciple of Christ, he started, you know, doing a lot of miracles. And then he started denying Christ. And then he went back to being a fisherman. And some of us are like that. Some of us accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior only, only to leave him when things got rough. Isn't it? But did that stop Christ from fulfilling your promise, his promise to you? Did that stop Christ from fulfilling his promise to Peter? In fact, not. So that when this, this Jews, when, when they started proclaiming Jesus Christ, he was the one who stood up. And he was the one who first, actually it was the first Christian sermon that was so powerful, it changed 3,000, it compelled 3,000 people to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior that day. Amazing how Christ restores you know, his people. In verse 41, it says here, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. See, spirit-empowered witnessing, changing people. Now, imagine this, right? Imagine organizing a water baptism for 3,000 people. And that's too much. <laughs> right? but, but thank you, Lord. Now, if we, if suddenly, you know, this church becomes 3,000 people, isn't that a good reason for us to just, you know, relax, step down, you know, and just, you know, there's already 3,000 members of the church. It's good, right? 3,000 members of the church, that's a lot, right? But in the words of one of my, of the people that I look uh, up to, right, Pastor Nixon Nang, he says here, wait, there's more. Now, for the church to have grown 3,000 a day, that's an amazing feat. But that did not stop them from continuing to witness about the risen Christ. So the church actually witnesses in two ways. And what's that? The first is what Peter did. He proclaimed the gospel. And the second is the way we do church. Right? And that's the, the verses that we, we've read. And we witness, you know, and if we are faithful to share the story of the gospel, guess what? Miracles will happen. So my encouragement to you this afternoon is let's be faithful. Because as in the early church, you know, when they demonstrated the living Christ, the promise says this, God added to them daily. These new believers were adapting. It's not a new, it's not actually, it's actually not a new practice. The new believers were adapting a new way of life, a habit, right? A habit. Now, this habit became so attractive that outsiders started to, you know, be attracted in the way, uh, in, to be attracted and join the church. Now, my question to you this morning is this. 
How do we do church? Is it attractive to the outsiders or repulsive? Right? And, and it's interesting, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not doing this to condescend or to judge, but it's actually an opportunity for us to sit back, like what I said earlier, sit back and review and see how we can change the way we do church so that others can be part of, it, of the church. Now, what I'm trying to say is that when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, again, because someone witnessed to you, you become part of a community, a church. And if the church lives out the, the, the proper design, it reinforces the message of the gospel, and in the process, our actions is our witness to the world. Example, okay? Because you're always happy when I point to Ben. Okay? Example, okay? Graham preaches the word to Kiben, okay? Kiben preaches the word to Card, right? And that's so on and so forth. They become a community, right? But they are new believers. So do they do their devotions? Maybe not yet. Do they pray every day? Maybe not yet. But as they are being changed, uh, as they are being changed in a way that honors God, as they start reading their Bible, people will start to wonder, oh, what's changed with Carl? What's changed with Kiben? And they get added to the church. You know, the people get attracted to the church. And that's how a church should be, right? Becoming a witness. Amen? Now, there are four things that they, vo they devoted themselves to. Right? Four things. Wake up. <laughs> right? Um... Now, the challenge, should, uh, now, uh, verse 42, it says here, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There are four things that they devoted them to. Now, the challenge is this. Listen to this. The challenge is this, that as Christians sometimes, we have Christianized some terms. And we call that Christianese. Right? We have Christianized some terms. We have Christianized, we have church it with so much religion that it becomes, it's become, it becomes difficult to understand. And one of those terms is the word devotion. So if I ask you, have you done your devotion? And what do you mean by that? It's about reading your Bible and praying. Correct? Right? Or how is your devotion? That means how is your quality time, your time reading the Bible and praying? Correct? But when Luke wrote this, actually, right, when Luke wrote this, he didn't mean that. He did, he, when he said devotion and devoted to, he didn't mean about just reading the word or prayer. And that's all good. It's good. I, I, it's good to develop that habit. But Luke did not mean that. Again, because we've charged it so much with Christian knees that it became something that's religious, religious, so that when someone new to the church comes and hears devotion, goes like, is that a secret code? Right? Now, when Luke wrote how they devoted themselves to this and that, right, he meant, you know, dedicating their time to it, developing a habit around it, changing their life around it, 
Because as a community of believers, we are called to change. Why do we have to change? Because we're broken, we're hurt, we're, you know, we're not perfect. And as we grow in Christ, Christ sanctifies us. Right? So when, you know, when, when, when Luke wrote that, he meant that are they're, they're devoting themselves, they're dedicating themselves to learning this way of life and adapting it as their daily activities. Right? Devoting yourself to something means building a habit of doing it every day. Like reading your Bible and prayer. Devoting to something means developing a habit that you, you do automatically. Right? For example, would be taking a bath. I mean, do you take a bath daily? I actually know a person, right? I actually know a person who's very proud in saying he's not taking a bath daily. And because of that, he did not get COVID. Right? Now, and I, I want you to, I want you, okay, so that's clear, right? Devotion means developing a habit, right? Now, you actually will know a lot about a person if you look at their habits. Again, right? Perspective, out. I'm not part of the church. I'm looking at the church. I'm reviewing the church. What is the habit of this church, right? So when you observe a person, you will know their habits. And in the words of Pastor Nixon, there's more. When you look at their habits, you will know their priorities. Amen? So if your spouse, right, if your spouse is always working, all right, or if the one courting you is always working, or if the one that is wooing, or you know, the one that you want to court is always working, right, what's his priority? Working. That hurts. Right? My wife always works. Right? Actually, she gets sick if she doesn't work. Now, his intentions are good. Her intentions are good. But then again, it tells us, this is our habit, then this is our priority. Right? If you see people always playing, what game? Not ML. It's always ML. Candy Crush. Okay? If you see people always playing Candy Crush, what's their priority? Huh? To finish diabetes. Right? To get rid of diabetes. But joking aside, if you see a community of people dedicated to dedicating their lives, devoting their lives to learning about Jesus Christ and living it out, who is their priority? Jesus Christ. And that's what the outsiders saw. They saw that. That this is a community that dedicated themselves to four things. And the first thing that they dedicated themselves to is the apostles' teaching. And I want you to listen to this. Right? They, they were seen as a community that was committed to learning. They did not learn alone. They gathered to learn. Right? Verse 46, it says here, and day by day, attending the temple together. Right? 
And I didn't say week. Did I say, it didn't say week by week. It didn't say every other day. But it's a community of believers got gathered together daily. To do what? To listen to the apostles' teaching. Now, what was the apostles' teaching? I think that's a good question to know, to answer. Right, again, right, these are new believers. So the apostles' teaching was that the apostles were actually giving believers God's perspective on every matter so that they can learn. God's perspective, not their perspective. That's the apostles' teaching. What happened, and this is why I, I, I laid down the, it, uh, that earlier, 40 days early, in, in the 40 days that Jesus was risen, what was Jesus teaching them? God's ways. So that when they gathered, when they started to gather as a community, the apostles' teaching, the apostles were actually teaching this new believer, believers a new way of life that is according to God's perspective. Right? And, and as a community, and, and this is very important because we cannot grow beyond what we do not know, or what beyond what we know, rather. We cannot grow beyond what we know. And an example of that would be holiness. Have you ever thought about holiness in the perspective of God? Or is it to us, is the holiness is just abstaining from doing what is unholy? It is, right? Correct. It is. But there are actually two kinds of holiness. What are those two kinds? Positional and practical. Positional holiness is something that we have attained through Christ that will never be stripped away from us. But there's a practical holiness that is doing good and what is honoring to God that honors, that, that as we honor God, people get attracted to us. You get it? You get it? Positional and practical. Right? True salvation, actually, and, and I have be, I've been doing one-to-ones for... Um, a few weeks, a few months now, and one of the questions that I kept being asked for is, then if we are holy positionally, that means that it's okay for us to sin. Because we are holy positionally, and that, that cannot be stripped away from us. But actually, the question would be, there would be, is that person truly saved? Because with salvation comes a desire to be holy. With true salvation comes a desire to be holy. Right? And, and when we become holy, like this new church, people get added to us day by day. The, the song that we sang earlier, right? I want more. Okay, I won't sing. I want more of Christ. I want more of you, Lord. We were singing that earlier. Would you believe me when I say this? That when people say, I want more of you, God they actually distance themselves from people that are unholy. Right? Correct? Because they don't want to be tainted. But, right, when Christ saved the apostles, 
when Christ made them holy, made, made the apostles holy, what did Christ do? Did he say, lock yourselves in a room so that you can always be holy? Did he say that? No. He said, go and make disciples. So when we say, we want more of you, God, that means we want more of you, God, so that we can love the outsiders more. Again, because we learn, we grow. But if we refuse to learn, and sadly, sadly, the people outside, when they think about Christians, they think about Christians as people who are closed-minded and unwilling to learn. But if we learn, we grow. And when we grow, we, people, we grow in our love of God, and when we grow in the love of God, people get attracted to us. Right? So, again, they devoted themselves to four things. The first thing that they devoted them to is the apostles' teaching. And after that, they devoted themselves to the fellowship of one another, with one another. Alright? Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Now, most of us view fellowship as hanging out, going to the coffee shop. Amen? And that is good. But actually, fellowship is more than hanging out and eating together. You know, fellowship is more than that. Verse 44, it says this, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And what does that verse tell you about fellowship? Fellowship, first and foremost, happens in the local church. In the local church. It doesn't happen with the international church in the local church because how can you fellowship with someone who's not in your locality? Right? If we want to go in Christ, we need to be part of the local church and we need to fellowship with the, with the people in the local church. It requires what? Participation. Because fellowship is not, is, is not just sharing a meal or exchanging stories. It requires a participation. So if you want to commit to this church, start with one-to-one. And then become part of a life group. Now there are teachings in life that I can never forget. There are very few teaching in, teachings in life that I can never forget. And I can't remember if it was Ate Mel or Ate Joy who said this. I, I called them one day and I told Ate Joy or Ate Mel, I told them, Ate, I want to be part of this church. I want to help in this church. And you, you know what they replied? They said, start with one-to-one. Start with becoming, becoming part of a life group. And then I said to myself, but I'm already, I, myself na lang, just to myself, right? But I was already leading the church back in the Philippines. Why have to start all over again? And you know what? That was actually a blessing because I get to know the people in the church. And as I get to know the people in the church, in fellowship, I was able to pray for them more, minister to them more, be part of the local church, get plugged in. It's important. Fellowship starts here. And when you get plugged into the local church, you turn a blind eye to the bad things. Because everyone in this church are not perfect. They're not perfect. We're, I, I'm not perfect, definitely. I eat a lot of pork. Pork fed. Pork fed. Okay. Now, fellow, fellowshipping, you know, when you see those bad things, you can turn a blind eye on it because fellowshipping requires commitment. 
commitment to share your time, your stuff, your energy, your resources, everything you have, just like what we're in, the, in the verse that we read earlier. And it's not a new form of communism, but it's actually an expression of love. And we are able to love. Why? Because we have been loved first. Commitment. For, and I was actually, and, and, and I got that idea from Andrew and Rebecca. Okay? And sorry, Andrew, I just have to spill the story. All right, so we were invited to their house. Actually, we invited ourselves to their house. Okay? But yeah, right? we, 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 either or, we went to their house, okay? Either we got invited or they invited us, same, same. All right? We got, in, we got invited to their house, and I was thinking, we'll just do the practice, and then we'll eat the food and leave. Right? How, have time to clean the, di the dishes also, because Bowen was supposed to clean, we, we had to help, you know. Um, and I was surprised. I was really surprised. Why? Because they did not just open their living room to us. They didn't even just open their kitchen to us, but they opened their entire house to us. Fellowshipping is more than just eating food around the table and sharing stories. It requires commitment to give everything that you have. Devotion to the teaching, uh, to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, and of course, our favorite, they devoted themselves to eating together. Right? That's our favorite. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Now, you know that this is, of course, your favorite. Say hello. Decide. Favorite natin. You're your favorite eating food, right? <laughs> now, sharing food around the table is about creating relational connections. It's not share, just sharing, sharing food, right? It's actually a symbolic statement of sharing and opening our lives to others. Symbolic. And all who believed were together, verse 44, and had all things in common. Okay, of course, the breaking of bread reminds us of what Christ did on the cross. That's obvious. But in the same breath, it should also remind us of what we should do for others. Did you get that? The breaking of bread reminds us of what Christ did on the cross, but it should also remind us of what we should do for others. And it, that's to commit to sharing our lives and invest in relationships. I am one that's not for disposable relationships. I, I, I want to meet everyone, but unfortunately, I can't commit to everyone. Why? Because I'm only human. But if I commit to someone, I'm telling that someone that, hey, I'm here for you for life. I'm not for the disposable relationship, right? Whether it's friendship or investing in your forever, single ladies, right? If you can't commit a lifetime, don't even start or think, don't even think of starting a relationship with that someone. But if God says, but if God says, right? But if God says, go build a relationship with that person, do it. Why? Because God will supply everything that you need. 
Now, there is a cost in discipleship. There is a cost in discipleship. Breaking of bread with people, there's a cost to that. And that's, it's not just the cost of the caboose. Right? Luke 14, 25 to 33. Bear with me. We're almost in the finish line. Alright, wake up. Verse 25. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, Lord, that hurts, yes, and even his own life. If anyone com comes to me and does not hate his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's the cost of discipleship. Imagine that. Right? Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it, otherwise... When he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see will begin. Uh, all who see it begin to mock him, right? Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish, and or what king going out to to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with ten thousand to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand. So if you're a king and you're going to war and you only have a few helicopters, uh, one ship, and then you're going to war with someone who has an aircraft carrier, a submarine, I mean, wouldn't you sit down first and count the cost before you go to war? Of course you will. Right? Now, if, you're, if, if that king is not ready to, is not capable of fighting that enemy, he says here, and if not, while the other is yet great a way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And when you look at these verses, it's actually a, a accounting, I, I call it an accounting verse. And if you, if you look at these verses, we will never be enough. We will never be able to become God's disciple. Never. Never. Because even our self-defense, we have a self-defense mechanism that when our life is endangered, we protect our life. So if you look at all these verses, uh, all the verses that I read, we will never be sufficient to become Christ's disciple. That's what it says. That's what it says. Any way you compute it, the builder will not be able to build the house. Any way you compute it, the king cannot, will not be able to defeat his enemy. Any way you compute it. And that's the beauty of the cross. The cross warns us of the burden we have to carry. Yes. But the cross also reminds us of the grace that we have received from Christ. When you look at the cross, what do you see? You see Christ forgiving you. So if you carry the cross daily, even if you are not enough, you know that the supply of grace that God will give to you is more than sufficient. 
you know that his forgiveness is never ending. And because you know that Christ has given to you first, because of the cross, you are confident and you will be confident to build a relationship with anyone in the church. Right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and lastly, to the prayer. It didn't say the prayer, correct? It, sa it said the prayers, right? They devoted themselves to the prayers, right? Again, who were, who were the people back then? The Jews. And what, the, what, are, what are the prayers that they had? Right? One of the prayers that they had is the Shema prayer. You know the Shema prayer? I don't know it, so I'll read it. Listen, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your being and all your might. So every day, they the Jews had to pray this three times. Right? They were praying together. So every day, they'd come together and pray this together. And they did not only do that. They, only pray, they also prayed the Psalms. And they also prayed the, you know, the praise of Jesus Christ. And what does that tell us? They're not really praying, but they were worshiping together. They were worshiping together. They devoted themselves to worship God together. Now, because Christ has risen, you have been, you know, because Christ has risen, they know that they have been forgiven. They know that. And they were living it out. Now, I'll close with this. I heard someone say yes. <laughs> right? It's okay. <laughs> right. Now, what has, you know, what, what, what did this church have that the other religions didn't have? Right? What did this church have that the other religions did not have? Okay? What did they have? Right? They had Christ. They were able to experience the, 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 the risen Christ. To them, Christ is not a figure of their imagination. Right? To them, Christ is not someone that they just met along the road. To them, Christ is a day-to-day -day reality. And why is that? Because the Christ who has risen, right? Was a re because Christ that was risen was a reality to them. And the power of his resurrection was at work in them, right? They were able to live a life together as a community that was devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowshipping with one another, building of lasting relationships, and worshiping together. And because they have received the Holy Spirit individually and as a church, they are able to preach the gospel right, not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And this is what I want to tell you. All of us here are part of a community that has been redeemed and restored because Christ died for us. All of us are, are part of this community that has been made whole 
because of Christ. All of us here are a part of this community that is there has that has devoted everything for Christ. Why? Because we have received Christ first. And if you have received Christ first, my question would be this: Have you experienced the living Christ? And if you say yes to that, I want to tell you this. As a community, let's go preach the gospel in our homes, in our communities, in Bahrain, and to the rest of the world. This is a growing community of believers. We have ups and downs. But if you want to be part of this community, I want to tell you this, all of you are invited. Let's all grow together in the knowledge of Christ. Because as we know Christ, we will learn more about His love for us. And that love for us transforms us to be better lights to the communities we are in. Okay? Why don't we all stand? Let's all bow our heads and pray. Father, we, we thank you, Lord God, for bringing us, Lord God, in a community, Lord God, that is open and vibrant, Lord. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, that as we commit to this community, Lord, may you reveal to us, Lord God, our role in this church. Lord, right now, Lord God, just reveal to us, Lord God, what you have called us to do in contributing, Lord God, to the growth of this church. Because, Father, as we contribute, as we, Lord God, give our, give our all in this community, Lord, your gospel will be preached. Father, even right now, Lord God, I ask, Lord, that you use each and every one of us, Lord, as an individual and as a community, Father, to be a community where you are reflected and you are exalted. Lord, we are not perfect. We are not perfect, Lord. We are, we are broken, we are hurt. But at the same time, Lord God, we are in faith, Lord, that you have risen. And because you have risen, Lord, we are saved. And Father, right now, I ask, Lord God, that you just give us the strength, Lord God, to carry our cross daily. Lord, that as we carry off our, our cross, Lord God, we are reminded of what you have gone through, Lord God, the pain and the, the suffering, Lord. And as we are reminded of that, Father, may, you, may it also grow in us, Lord God, a heart that is thankful. So that when we fall down, when we stumble, Lord, as we hold our cross, we will also be reminded, Lord, of your forgiveness and of your grace and your mercy. Father, as we carry our cross as a community, Lord, may the people outside see it so that you, Lord God, will add to our numbers daily. Lord, as we go out, I ask, Lord, that through us, your light will shine and our lives, Lord, will be a conduit for grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's all lift our hands to receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and use you as a conduit of His grace and mercy. May you be a light in darkest places, not only in this nation, but to the rest of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. We are now dismissed. Again, July 1, we're moving, all right? Don't forget.
Thank you so much.